Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I know there's a lot of confusion around this word calling and what it actually means. Essentially, what the word calling refers to is an invitation. A calling is an invitation. So when you get invited to a wedding, you're actually getting called to a wedding. That's a great analogy because when you receive a calling to salvation, you're actually receiving a calling or a wedding invitation to be wed to your husband, to Jesus, the husband, the Lord is your husband. When you receive an invitation, it's a calling. It's an invitation. The Bible says that many are called, but few are chosen. The reason why few are chosen is because few say yes. We just stepped into something. In the, in the 17th and 18th century, when young men would like to court young women, they would show up and say, I've come to call on your daughter. I've come to call on your daughter. Essentially, what, he, what he's asking is, I've come and I'm, I want to invite your daughter to spend some time with me. It's an invitation. It's an invitation that God extends to us for salvation. And the thing is, I I love the word invitation because God doesn't force us to do anything. He doesn't force you to do a thing. He invites you to do a thing because he knows the honor is all yours when it comes to accepting an invitation. That's not, oh, Jesus is not like, I am so honored that you would serve me with your gifts and talents, Pastor Steve. You're amazing. I don't know where I would be without you. That's not, God doesn't do that. He says, I am God. I've graced you. I've called you. I've given you gifts. And here's my invitation. I want to do a co-mission with you. I want to co-labor with you. I give you the honor of serving me and living with me it's an invitation that we have to accept are you with me are you with me see there's many invitations in our life there's many callings the most important calling is the invitation to salvation that wedding invitation that we receive in the mail from Jesus it's an invitation to walk with him to be engaged with him to be to be wed to him one day to 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 live for Jesus it's an invitation to salvation see God extends that invitation to all of us cuz it says in Peter that he's not willing that any should perish but all come to eternal life He's not willing, and so he extends that invitation to everyone, to everyone. There's an invitation for us to walk with Jesus. That invitation isn't just to be something. That invitation is to follow him. That invitation is to surrender your life to him. Where you say, not my will, but your will be done, Lord. I am, you, you are the potter, I am the clay. I will follow you wherever you lead me. You see, there are, there are these callings that apply to all of us as believers. It says in Ephesians 4.4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called, say called, invited to one hope. Are you with me? And then it says in 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful 
who has, in call, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I've invited you into fellowship with me. It says in 2 Timothy 1.9, he saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. So he's not saying God's called you to live holy. God's saying God's called you to take on the identity of holiness because of him. I'm not holy because of what I've done. I'm holy because of what he's done. He's inviting me. Hey, do you want to be holy? Accept me. Do you want to be righteous? Accept me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Are you with me? Oh, we're just smashing religion this morning. Romans 8, 28 says we are called according to his purpose. His purpose. Then there's these specific callings into unique, 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 unique. I just learned speaking last week. Unique, specific pursuits in ministry. So Paul said, I am called to be a guy, a regular guy. No, he said, I'm called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. He knew exactly who he was called to and what he was called to be. He knew exactly. He had specifics, right? Peter was called to the Jews as an apostle. Timothy was called to prominent pastoral ministry in the city of Ephesus. He knew. God has a calling on your life. That means that God has extended an invitation to you to partner with him on some specific mission, some specific assignment, some specific role, a calling over your life. That's for you. That's for you. Are you with me? And it's not small. It's big because God is not small. God is big. We have got to stop living small Christianity. God is not some small God. He is a big God with a big plan, with big resources, a big capacity, and a big plan. Are you with me? God has a calling on your life, and a calling is optional, meaning you don't have to accept the invitation. And many people don't accept the invitation, and that's why they live their life miserable. Because they know on the inside of them that something's not right. There's an unsettled feeling in me. I'm not satisfied with my current lot in life. There's got to be something more. There's got to be something more. I can't. I was not born for this. I was born for more than this. And there's this unsettled feeling in our spirit. Because we know that there's got to be more. There's a calling. There's a calling. There's a calling. An unsettled feeling, a hunger, and a thirst that can't be satisfied by anything rather than God. And you may not get the specifics. Because sometimes God doesn't give specifics because the invitation is just to follow him. The invitation is just to follow him. We, you know, we had this calling on our life, and I think it's... It's the temptation is to say something along the lines of, I have a calling on my life. Well, no, that's not true. He has a calling on your life. It's not your calling. It's his calling. That's an important distinction because I don't know about you. Many of us are in the business of making this whole serving, thing, serving God thing about us and not about him. I don't have a calling on my life. I can't call myself. He has a calling on my life. There is a calling on my life. There is an invitation on my life. It's not from me. It's from him. Are you with me? Oh, jeez. Here we go. It's easy 
to make this Christian life about what I can do rather than making it about what he wants to do. I do not want to be in a place where I'm doing what I can do separate from doing what he wants to do. Okay, let's get into this. Matthew 4, 18, 22, Jesus, he finds his disciples. I love this verse of scripture. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn there. I've, I've ministered out of this before. But if you go in your Bible, to so Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, and it says, Now Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and John, the sons of thunder. And in the boat, I want that name. Uh, but I don't have it, so it's okay. Um, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. He says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. This is amazing. I want you to pay close attention to the words that Jesus is using because they're really important. He's saying, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He's basically giving them an invitation and a promise. He makes a deal. He says, God, or he gave, God gave Peter and Andrew an invitation. Follow me, and I'm going to do something in your life that you can't do by yourself. So I think this is really important because he, their job was to follow. His job was to make. Their job was to follow. His, their job was His job was to make, because I think that's really important for us to understand, because a lot of us think it's our job to help God out with our calling. And so we start to follow, but then also we start to make. And then we hurt ourselves and other people. Are you with me? Because your calling is not just about you, it's also about the people you are called to. And so if you don't follow God, you're willing to, you're, you're, start, you're going to do something that's by yourself, renegade, on your own, and you don't have God there to back you up. And so you get hurt, and then they get hurt, and then everybody's hurt. And then nobody likes Christians anymore. Your job is to follow. My job is to make, and I just want this little sidebar right here. You know, back in Jesus' time, there was no difference between Christians and disciples. They were the same. If you were a Christian, you were also a disciple a follower of Christ. But for some reason, in the 21st century, people can be Christians but not disciples. Then we go to church, but we don't follow Jesus. There ain't nothing in their life that re resembles the fact that they walk with Jesus. But I'm a Christian. You might be a Christian, but I don't think you're saved. Okay. There was no difference between Christians and disciples. If I was a Christian, I was a disciple. If I, if, I, if I gave my life to Jesus, then I also followed Jesus. There was no difference. There was no difference. The capacity might be different. The mode might be different. But I'm still going to follow him wherever he leads me. Are you with me? So a couple, a couple of observations about the Scripture verse. I, I find it amazing that a sovereign God, sovereign means all-seeing, all-powerful God, he used Peter and Andrew's earthly vocation to prepare them for their heavenly assignment. 
Notice that when Jesus wanted to change the world, he didn't go to a synagogue and he didn't go to divinity school. He, went, he found guys who were working nine to fives. Tax collectors, fishermen, zealots, political people. He didn't go to synagogue. He didn't go to divinity school. He said, I'm going to find me some fishermen. And I find it amazing. And so Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I think it's important for us not to minimize the impact that a regular old job can have in preparing us for our destiny. It's a regular old job is doing more than you think. Is doing more than you think. I bet when Peter and Andrew were fishing and James and John were fishing with their nets, I use a rod, they use nets, they had no idea that what they were doing in the natural was preparing them to catch men's souls one day in the spiritual. God is sovereign. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly why you're there. He knows exactly what he's doing to prepare you for where he's bringing you. He's a God of intention. He's a God of purpose. Are you with me? Never underestimate the power of a job. Like I heard this quote the other day. It says, if serving is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. I heard that quote. I think someone posted it. I saw it. If serving is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. I added to it. I said, well, if working is beneath you, then discipleship is above you. If working is beneath you, then discipleship is above you. Unbeknownst to them, they were catching fish, preparing to catch souls. And I noticed that Jesus did not say to them, Follow me and make yourself a fisher of men. He said, follow me and I'll do it. And this is important because, because there are many movements in the body of Christ. There are many churches. There are many books. There are many things that are happening because of men's gifts and not because of God's assignment. You are fully capable of doing something with the gifting of God in your life that is not authorized by God. Are you with me? Self-promotion is the motion of the day. Self-promotion is the motion of the day. And so if God doesn't open up a door for me, well, I'm just going to kick open my own door and walk through it because I'm a gifted man. I've got gifts and callings. Have you heard me sing? Like an angel. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm ordained by God. I'm being gifted. That's exactly what Lucifer said. Our job is to follow him. And I've learned that that's hard enough. Right? It's like Jesus knew. He's like, listen, if you could just follow me, I'll take care of the rest. But you need to learn how to hang with me. Like, notice the disciples, they did not cast out demons. They did not perform healings or miracles until they spent time with Jesus first. They had to watch him do it before they did it on their own. Are you with me? Disciples, they had to learn how to... They had to learn how to hang with Jesus. It was tough hanging with Jesus. Stuff thrown at you, persecution, death threats, right? Jesus, it was not easy hanging out with Jesus. He was not the greatest company all the time, right? And he didn't always take a direct route, right? Like, like, like he wasn't always A to B. He was A to C, then back to B. Like, he didn't always take a, dir a, a, a direct route, right? So, like, if you follow and you accept that invitation of Jesus, you're going to walk with Jesus through valleys of disappointment. You're going to deal with rejection. Do you know why? Because he dealt with rejection. You're going to walk through forests of offense. Do you know why? Because he had the temptation to be offended. And there's going to be mountaintop experiences where you see 
the kingdom of God and you see your calling and you see the glory of God and then there's going to be valleys, deep, dark valleys where you come to learn that nobody is for you but Jesus and he is all you need and you would never know unless you were in that valley and you'll be following Jesus the whole time and you'll think you're in sin but you're not. You're just following Jesus and he led you there. And you're going to see other people on a fake mountaintop and you're going to be like, God, I want to go to that mountaintop. I want to use my gift. I want to use my talent. I want to build your kingdom. And he's like, no, we need to get through this valley first because there's things that I need to give you that you can't get anywhere else. So just follow me, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. Follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. Follow me, and I will do something in your life. Fo- keep following me. If you stop following me, you're going to fail. That's the only thing, that's the only way I can fail in the body of Christ, in my calling, in my life, if I stop following Jesus. If I just put my, dig my heels in and say, no, I'm not going to move any forward. I'm not going to move any more forward. I'm just going to stay right here. I'm offended, God. I'm bitter, God. I'm hurt, God. He's like, I know. Let's keep going. Let's keep following me. Come on. You're going to mature. You're going to grow. You're going to get there. And we follow him, and he makes us something we could never make be on our own. Are you with me? Are you with me? Are you with me? There'll be lonely days. There'll be hard days. There'll be confusing days. And there'll be glorious days. There'll be days like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I get to do this. I told my wife, my wife a couple years ago, I said, right now we, we say to ourselves, sometimes we have, we have days where we say to ourselves, I can't believe I have to do this. <laughs> But God is bringing us to a place where we say, I can't believe I get to do this. Are you with me? Here's what the Lord showed me. See, he put one foot in front of the other, right? And God does something in your life that you could never do by yourself. And he used you to play, he'll use you to play a significant role in his story, serve in his kingdom, sow his seed, reap his harvest. It's all his. It's all his. Are you with me? But here's what the Lord showed me. It says that immediately Peter and Andrew and the Zebedee boys dropped their nets. This was their sellout moment. I'm selling out. I'm selling out everything for Jesus. And they dropped their nets and they followed Jesus. They bankrupted their lives for the call of God on their life. And this used to confuse me so much because I was like, Lord, Lord, does that mean I, I need to quit my job? Because if so, yeah, please sign me up. I'm good. I'm ready. Let's go. Those of you who know me know what I'm talking about. And this was the case for them. And for some of you, this also made the case. For Sarah and, and Pedro, that was the case. Pick up. Go to Spain. Right? But I don't think that has the total perspective that God wants us to have. And here's, here's what the Lord showed me. See, the disciples were fishermen. Will this reach? Please reach. Please reach. <laughs> disciples were fishermen, so they knew how to use this thing. Well, they used nets, but let's just say this modern day. They knew how to use this thing. They were skilled at fishing. They were good. Are you nervous? There is a hook on this thing. Come on. So... They, were, they knew how to catch a fish. They knew how to hang with the fish. They knew when to fish. They knew where to fish. 
They probably talked about fishing all the time. They were experts at fishing. It was their job. They were really good at it. Historians tell us they were actually pretty lucrative for them. They were actually pretty wealthy. That's what the Bible tells us. That's what historians tell us. And the nets in this story, they can represent our vocation. But here's what I think they also can represent. I think they can also represent our gifting. Our gifting. See, it says in Ephesians 4, it says that when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto mankind. That we've each received a gift, and then it goes on and it says later in verse 11 to each, we've been given, you know, some of we're given teachers, pastors, preachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists for the edification of the body. And then in, in 1 Corinthians expands that list, and it talks about gifts of knowledge, words of knowledge, words of faith, speaking in tongues, the interpretation of tongues. Faith, healing, miracles, discernments, gifts of helps, gifts of administrations. God gives these gifts to, man's, to mankind. Are you with me? And then it says in Romans eleven twenty nine 29 that the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. What that means is they're irrevocable. He won't take them back. That means that you can take a gift from God and a calling from God and do the wrong thing with it. And if you look out at the music industry today, you will see tremendously gifted singers and songwriters using their gift to glorify themselves, the devil, or sin, and not God. Because somewhere along their way, their gifts and their calling were misdirected and misapplied. And we say, oh, how talented they are, but their gifts, all they do is give glory back to them. So it's possible to use your gift to glorify yourself, or even worse, glorify the devil without knowing it. But God doesn't take him back, right? God has given us all these incredible giftings, but these giftings are to be a reflection on the greatness of the creator of the gifts, not the greatness of ourselves. I am who I am by the grace of God. And if you look at another version of the story, and this is so powerful, in Luke chapter 5, another version of the story in Luke chapter 5, Jesus was teaching, and he chose before he knew Peter, he chose to use Peter's boat as a platform to teach from. And he's teaching, and he's teaching, right? And before he uses the boat, he says to them, he goes, he, he goes hey, what's, after he's, I'm sorry, after he's done preaching, he goes, hey, what's push out for a fish? See, Jesus like to have a good time. So he's like, what's, let's push out for a fish. Let's go fishing. And Peter responds, but Lord, we have toiled all night long and caught nothing. Because your gift used at your discretion yields no fruit. It may feel exciting to use it. It may feel like you're being productive. But your gift used at your discretion yields no fruit or fish. And so he said, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon said, Simon said well, we've done this already. But I will do as you say, and let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break, so that they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet and said, Go away from me, for I am a sinful man. The amazement had seized him and his companions because of the catch of fish that they had taken. And at that point on, Jesus said, Do not, be, do not fear, from now on you will be catching men. Their gift, used at the discretion of Jesus, brought in a great harvest. 
brought in a great harvest. Are you with me? We have become so enamored with gifts and callings in the body of Christ. We tend to idolize certain preachers, certain pastors, certain worship leaders. We want to ascend to where they are. I can't stand when someone says to me, I just want to get to where you are. No, you don't. You want to get to where he is. You want to get to where he is. Don't, you don't want to get to where I am, right? You have an assignment. That's, that's how I love. Spirit of competition has no place in the body of Christ. Because if you're competing with me, you can't love me the way I need you to. We're not supposed to compete with our brothers. We're supposed to complete our brothers. Are you with me? We are the body of Christ. There aren't two index fingers. There's one. You be the thumb. I'll be the index figure. And together, we'll win some souls for Christ. The spirit of competition has no place in the body of Christ. It's demonic. It's demonic. We have, come, we have become so enamored with the gifts and calling of people or ourselves, and many people have fallen in love with their abilities and out of love with the Savior. And as a result, we do ministry for God and not with God, using our God-given gifts because we can and not because he said so. But God gave us gifts to build his kingdom, not our own kingdom. God gave us abilities to do what he wants us to do, not what we want to do. And when the fishermen heeded Jesus' instructions, they brought in a great haul of fish, and it broke the nets. And this, you know, it's funny. that This same thing happened after Jesus died and resurrected, and he appeared to his disciples. After Jesus died and he resurrected, Peter, the disciples didn't know that he resurrected. And so Peter said, I'm going back to fishing. I'm going back to fishing. And he goes back to fishing, and it says that Jesus appeared to him on the shore and said, hey, you guys caught nothing all night again, again. Throw your nets on the other side. And when they did, they brought in another great haul of fish because your gift used at his discretion brings in a harvest. Your gift used at his discretion brings in a harvest. Are you with me? See, there's a difference between gifting, anointing, and authorization. There's a difference between anointing and authority. David was anointed king, but immediately went back to shepherding sheep. Why? Because though he was anointed to be king, he would not yet was authorized to be king. Don't mistake the anointing on your life for God authorizing you to do something. He had some things to learn, some trials to endure, some maturity to gain before he could receive authorization. And here's what I'm learning, church, that the most humble and submissive thing I can do is to take the calling and the gift that Jesus has given to me and humbly give it back to him. And say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Are you with me? God, you tell me how to use it. You tell me where to use it. You tell me when to use it. It's not mine. It's yours. Stewarding God's gift over your life means listening to him when he says to use it and not to use it. Are you with me? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. You know, there's a difference between ambition and a burden. Yeah, I loved hearing Pedro's testimony because I was listening to what he was saying and he said all of a sudden as he was in powerful worship and seeing people around him worshiping God, his heart beat and, and wept for the, for the country of Spain. 
God gave him a burden. And he said, here I am, Lord, send me. Him and Sarah, here I am, Lord, send me. God gave them a burden. It wasn't, I'm going to Spain to build my empire. But sometimes that's the motive, but not, not, not the spoken intent. So we have to examine our hearts, right? But you know what's amazing? You know, I don't want to just be anointed. I want to be authorized. Because when I'm given authorization, that means I'm also given his authority. You know, when Jesus sent out his disciples in Mark, Mark chapter 6, he sent his disciples out two by two. And the Bible says that, that he gave them authority over demonic spirits. Before he said that, he gave, he gave them authority. He had the authority. He gave them authority. That what made the ministry effective was not their gifting and their ability. What made the ministry effective was his authority. Are you with me? Are you with me? And, and in Acts chapter 19, the sons of Sceva, they tried to cast out a demon in the name of Jesus. And the demons were like, who are you? Like, Jesus we know. Paul we know. Who's that guy? And it says the demons actually beat him up, prevailed against them. Why? Because although they may have had the gift, they didn't have the authority. Are you with me? They had no authority. And so our calling is to follow Jesus. Come with me. And so here we are. It's my fisherman. Oh, oh, oh boy, oh boy. Oh, 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 oh boy. So ambitious. Just hold up, man. Maybe want to tie that to the, to the thing so it doesn't cut you. Okay. So, so here we are, right? So, so Jesus, listen, our call to follow Jesus is the most important call in our life. Our devotion to Jesus is the most important calling on our life, right? And so Jesus, he doesn't just... He wants you to follow him. The calling is to follow him because he does not want you to be led by your gifts. His calling is to follow him because he does not want you to be led by your gifts. And so he finds Peter, expert fisherman, wearing an ugly hat, but an expert fisherman, fishing. And he's an expert at it. And he comes and he says, he says, to, he says, to, he says to Peter, Follow me. And immediately, he drops his nets and follows him. But really what he does is he gives it to Jesus. Follow me. And so he begins to follow Jesus. And what I can imagine, step back. Two, three, step back. Okay. And he's following. And I bet the whole time he's saying, God, I want to go. Peter was ambitious. Peter was hungry. God, I want to go. How about right now? There's people who are unsaved right there. Hey, I want to preach. I can preach. I can preach. Let me preach. Let me preach. I can prophesy. I can prophesy. Let me prophesy. He's like, nope, follow me. And he's reaching for the rod. He wants the rod. I'm like, nope, follow me. No, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Oh, look. Oh, that person offended us. How are you going to respond, Joaquin? How are you going to respond, Joaquin? Yeah, well, I'm not going to let you have your gift yet until you figure it out. And you follow me. And you follow me. And he follows Jesus until the moment where he's ready. And then he gives the rod to him at the right time and says, now you fish. I give you authority to speak. I give you authority to prophesy. I give you authority to go. I give you authority to heal. I give you authority to move. I give you authority to plant. I give you authority to build. And now his ministry is effective because he's under authority. He was always anointed, but now he's authorized. Come on, give him a hand. (laughs) 
Jesus sends us. We don't send ourselves. Jesus sends us. We follow him. Listen, we follow him so that we become like him. We follow him because in the process of following him, we become like him. And our assignment is a byproduct of us becoming like him. The world doesn't need me. They need him. And the more I'm Christ-like, the more effective my life will be in bringing all praise and glory and honor to him because he's the only one who's worth it. Are you with me? Many of us are asking, and I understand, what's my calling? What's my office? What's my role? What's my assignment? And I believe Jesus is saying to you today, follow me, and you'll see. But follow me. Can I just give you a newsflash? I've learned this, that going to church isn't, just, isn't following him. Reading a five-minute devotion every day isn't following him. You're flirting with Jesus. You're not, you're not dating him. You're not engaged. You're flirting. Following him means, and I'm, I'm speaking to myself, because I go through seasons sometimes where I date Jesus, but I'm not engaged to him. Right? I hit him up on weekends, see if he's busy. <laughs> but I don't text him Monday through Friday. Being engaged to Jesus, following Jesus, means that he is the first person I meet with every single day. It means that my life is rearranged around my relationship with God, that my priorities are fixed upon him and his kingdom, not me and my preferences. Following him means that I am humble at his feet, aching to hear his voice, under trying to find a word. When God doesn't speak to you audibly, would you open up his word and let him speak to you through here? It means that I'm aching for his word. I'm aching for his presence. I'm following him. He is leading me. But I want to be a fisherman. I want to be a prophet. I want to be a pastor one day. I want to preach. I want to teach. I want to go. I want to plant churches. I want to be like Pedro. God's like, will you just follow me? Will you follow me? Because you can't do this by yourself. I want to be in something that Jesus is in and not something that just I'm in. I don't want to waste anybody's time looking at me. I'm not that good. <laughs> Are you with me? Let's co-labor. Let's go on a co-mission, too, together, me and you. Let's sell out. Abandon your dreams, your plans, your ideas. Drop your nets. Let them give them back to you. Jesus didn't have a problem with fishing. He had a problem with the priority of fishing. Are you with me? The, effect is, effective, the effectiveness of your life, the fullness or the richness of your experience in every facet of your life is contingent on your willingness to accept the invitation to follow Jesus and enter a relationship with him. Will you follow him? I believe that, I believe that the word for you today, Jesus is asking you today, 
All eyes on me. And there's, there's movement going on, but fo- focus on me for a second. Jesus is asking you today, will you drop your nets? Will you stop striving? Will you stop trying to make it happen? Will you follow me? Or maybe you've given up. Didn't work out when you were trying to do it. So you just stopped. You're trying to push it, trying to make it. You're trying to apply the world's standards to the kingdom's principles. Doesn't work. Create a sales letter. Send it out. Build a promo for yourself. Send it out. The world's standards do not apply to kingdom principles. The the king opens up doors that no one else can. Are you with me? But will will you follow? Will you drop your nets? Come on, stand with me. We hope this message was impactful to you. If you would like to hear more, please remember to subscribe. For more information, you can visit our pages on both Facebook and Instagram. God bless you and have a great rest of the week.